Hello, hello there. My name is Mo with my co-host Corey. We are The Real Guys and this is The Real Show with two ears. Time to jump right back into the, the warm arms of a new sci-fi film from Zack Snyder. As always, with my co-host Corey. How are you doing today, Corey? I'm doing very well, thank you. And as always, you can listen to us on Apple, Amazon, uh, podcast, anyway, podcast, Spotify, we're there. Any audio platform you use, we're there. You can also uh, watch us on our real show video version. I got through it. On the real show video version on our YouTube channel, The Real Show, The Real Show, Real with Two E's. Rebel Moon, Child of Fire, is the newest in the, the first, the inaugural uh, film of the new Rebel Moon saga, however many he's going to make. And it is a two hour 15 uh, sci-fi film, uh, new to Netflix. Netflix has, they've spent as much money as they're ever going to spend. The most, the highest budget ever on a Netflix exclusive film, wow. apparently. Great. If you can believe it. Now, I told you to watch this, Corey. You did. I'll let you, I'll let you speak first. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, well, it came on. Put it on. Now, last time I watched this, <laughs> I sat mm. down and watched this action out of film, uh, it was Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead, which we didn't find very favourable. No. Uh, and I was watching this and thinking, oh, yeah, you know what? Effects-wise, it looks cool. It's a spaceship. Cool. Mm. Sci-fi. Yeah. There's Vikings on the moon. Okay. There's Vikings on the moon. That's like yes. There's definitely Vikings. Gunnar and, like, I forgot what the other guy's called. It was the guy that died at the start. I forgot what he's called. Uh, Corey Stoll. Bro- no, it's not Bro. What is it? It's not Brody, is it? What's oh. his name? It's, well, it's, it's played by the actor Corey Stoll. That's what I called him. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you might have seen that, Corey. You know what I saw? Yeah. Star uh, Wars. First of all, a two-hour, 15-run-time. <laughs> yeah. No one will survive. Um, Anthony Hopkins giving some exposition. Then I saw the Battleship Yamato from Battleship Yamato. Mm. Have you ever seen Battleship Yamato? I have the not. Uh, Google it right now okay. if you can. Um, just Google Battleship Yamato. Yamato. And look at Google Image. Look at Google Images and look at the first thing that pops up. Okay. Uh, recognize... Re- uh, Actually, you might want to search anime. Probably might be better. I was going to say, I'm getting an actual ship currently. Name. There you go, that's better. <laughs> right, got you. Yeah, see what I mean? That's made, that makes more sense. Yeah. What does that look like, Corey? Uh, that's, that's whatever the, the ship is. What is a ship called? In it's called the Moon? Dreadnought is what it's called. That's it. Um, but that is it. Um, also, I also saw a Hayliner from Dune. They use the same teleportation as a Dune Hayliner. You have to look that up. Um, they talk about the outer reaches of the galaxy, which is probably the outer rim. Uh, they talk about uh, a young senator who rises to power to become regent. Does that remind you of anybody? Mm. Uh, then they decide to give us some space horses. Do. Horses in space. Yeah, which are just horses uh, like a like a weird bone, bone or a mask yeah, or whatever bone, it is. You know, horn, bone horn. Uh, they then give us the the Luke Skywalker sunshot immediately. Yeah. With uh, her name is Cora. Correct. Uh, she's played by Sophia Butella, and she's just trying to be a, just a simple farmer on a simple place, simple planet, and it's run by the uh, militaristic Imperium who totally aren't the Empire. <laughs> uh, and also, it's called the Imperium in Dune, so yeah. it's funny as well. Then, strangely enough. Uh, similar to when this film released on Netflix, which is the 22nd of December, they got Denise Villeneuve's Dune about a few weeks later in January. Great. So I wonder if people will watch them back to back and think, oh, kind of similar. They, they're they looking for a band of rebels 
led by Devra and the Dorian Bloodaxe, great, great names. Yep. They are, uh, they've been causing havoc around the Imperial Mother World, which totally isn't Coruscant. Yeah. And uh, Gunnar, who is Dario Naharis from Game of Thrones, and also Corey Stoll is also here. Yes. The Imperium arrive, and Cora's living a simple life, you know. Uh, she's doing a gin so from the start of Rogue One. They give us the opening to Rogue One as well. Uh, there's a lot of... One of Zack Snyder's biggest hallmarks as an auteur director, if you can call him one, <laughs> is slow motion. Yeah. Did you notice a lot of slow there's motion? There's a lot of this in this movie. There's, there's and I quote, <laughs> slow-mo seed spreading, slow-mo seed dropping, slow-mo axe grab, slow-mo rifle fight, slow-mo knife fight, slow-mo fireman's carry takedown, slow-mo pistol shot, slow-mo walking, slow-mo child raising guns, slow-mo rifle firing, slow-mo flag planting, slow-mo table destruction, slow-mo breathing, slow-mo shooting gun, slow-mo table destruction two, slow-mo hand touch hippogriff, slow-mo running on rocks, slow-mo jump onto Hippogriff's back, slow-mo touching Hippogriff's wing, slow-mo jump onto ship, slow-mo stab, slow-mo teeth shattering, slow-mo breath two. All of that. All of that, and probably more that I didn't catch, but that was everything I caught in the film. Yeah. There's a lot of slow motion happening. It's just, it's edited like a trailer. It's... There's there's all dramatic music every, like, five minutes. Here's the thing that I... Um, I'm going to assume this episode is going to go. You're going to go down the route of, and we'll get to this when we get to other stuff later, of how blatantly this is essentially Star Wars and or any other sci-fi thing. We'll get to that later on, because it kind of was at one point. I'm (laughs) going to go down the route of, when I first watched this, when the like Imperium or whatever they're called turn up, Space Nazis. um, When Battleship Yamato turns up. Yeah. And outcome all the space Nazis or whatever. And you've got the, li- literally the Vikings on the moon, because yeah. they are Vikings. Again, Gunnar, Sindri's the mm. other one. We'll get to Blood Axe in a minute. That's a completely different thing. I was like, right, this is going to be a story of how the UK was run by Vikings and then the Roman Empire turns up and yeah. goes, we're going to get rid of you now. Because Blood Axe, actual Viking man, that is the name of a Viking. Yeah. Gunnar, actual person in, in Viking history. Sindri, I believe, is also someone. Mm. Um, so even the names are not even original. Come on, what are you doing? Um, but I was like, oh no, this is where this is going. And I also, when it first came on, was like, this is Star Wars. They give this us is the literally op- Star Wars. So they give us the opening to Rogue One, complete with director Krennic <laughs> Shuttle uh, arrives onto the uh, moon. We have, Ad- we have Admiral... Oh, what's his What's his name? I don't um, know. Is uh, Atticus Noble? What great, a great name. Um, Atticus Noble, who is strange enough, played by Ed Screen, who also played Dario Naharis in Game of Thrones, which I thought was a bit weird. They've got both of them in there. Nice. Ed Screen played the first version of Dario Naharis, and then he was recast in season four, and they got the the guy that plays Gunnar yep. uh, to do it instead. So it's funny that both Dario Naharis's are in this. Uh, Corey Stoll is also here. Uh, he's got some weird religious death troopers. Yep. Uh, one of them is back there carrying a painting. I yep. don't know why. Uh, it's just, it's like sci-fi, <laughs> like, it's what they do a lot of sci-fi films. When you don't know how to make a world, you just go, oh, this is happening. We're not going to explain it. Why has that guy got a painting? Yeah. Pff, whatever. Why is, you know, the benevolence. Why does the weird admiral use the shepherd's crook to kill people? Yeah. Uh, pff, I don't know why. They He arrives with his troopers and... 
you know, his troopers are just just all horrible people. Um, the South African man abuses a robot. Yep. Um, I've never seen that before. Not in Chappie, District 9, or Real Steel. So just, just, just telling you there. Uh, the robot is played by Anthony Hopkins. It is. Uh, he's like C-3PO. Correct. Uh, and one of the stormtroopers is like Finn because he, you know, he's a decent guy and he tries to, you know, rebel at Rebel Moon against the, the rest of his troops. And uh, why does the robot need to wash? He's got dirt on him, I guess. He's got dirt on him, I guess. Uh, uh, we have a flower crown in 2023 because the water girl who, who, who carries the pail of water, yep. uh, Jack or Jill, decides to give um, the robot, who is called got some name like G. He's called Jimmy, yeah. but he's got like some kind of G E two seven five whatever something long thing, and he's supposed to be one of the royal guards because the story is the royalty were, were killed by this new guy. Yep. Um, I've, I was about to literally call him Senator Palpatine, but that's not his actual name. Um, whatever his whatever his weird sci-fi name is, right? Uh, he's got some weird name, and he's strangely also played by that guy from from Hawkeye, who played like Kingpin, second in command of the tracksuit mafia. He's an Irish actor called Fra Fee, and I've got oh. several things to say about him. Um, um, where is he? Belisarius. Yes, Belisarius. That one. <laughs> um, what a what a you know what? What a weird name. Yeah. He's um, and then at the end of the film we see him again. He appears twice. He appears once in the flashback yep. where he's like quite young and played by Frafi, and then at the end when he's quite old and still played by Frafi. Yeah. Why isn't he played by someone else? No if idea. He's like supposed to be an old man. No clue. He's, they've whacked a beard on him and given him a big coat. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. What, uh, what they should have done is it should have been Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. But it should have been. Him, Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins. It should have been Anthony Hopkins voicing a robot. Yep. It should have been Anthony Hopkins instead of it being, you know, just this guy who played the young version, right? Don't understand that because Cora is what? How old is she if she was picked up at that age? He says, she said, and I probably quote, that when she was elevated to the Royal Guard, she was 18. She looks 37. Yeah. You know, in not 18. Goodness me. The... The the village that she lives in, sorry, I've lost stuff. Was the 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 village that she lives in is under threat by these um, imperial soldiers. Yep. And she has to fight them because she used to be an imperial guard. She does some cool fighting. And why she doesn't take the robot with her? No idea. No clue. Where's the robot for the rest of the film? No idea. Doesn't appear again. Doesn't appears once at the end. And it, that doesn't count. He appears, he once appears at, the end. at the end, staring at the camera. Staring at the camera, and that's it. And he's got horns now. Yeah, okay. don't. Yeah, I, 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 I mm, uh, I'm malfunctioning. Yes, just like the robot is. <laughs> the the entire village shows up apparently to this one fight that happens yep. in the barn, and the sure fights and sure she kicks ass, but she kicks too much ass. Yeah. So and the robot has to help her, yeah. right? And the or the soldier guy. Well, I'm surprised she didn't just start attacking. True. Because he was another robot, the creator robot, right? Um, but she was like a soldier. Okay. Her and Gunnar decide to recruit a team to help save the village. Correct. Uh, they go by some reindeer who have no alien features, as far as I could discern from yep. looking at them. They're just rain- regular reindeer. Uh, she- they get to this town, right? The town on their planet that they're on, and she decides in the middle of a f- of a full can. Looks like you know it's Charmin's spaceport cantina. She goes to Mos Eisley cantina, and she just decides to just ask a cantina full of anyone if they can help. Yep. There might be spies, there might be people who work for the Imperium in there, you know, I wouldn't have a, like, if I was writing this film, and often, you know, I'm not as, I'm, by, by, I'm 
by no means Zack Snyder, nor am I an accomplished screenwriter in any way, shape, or form, right? Uh, and also, I'll never make as much money as Zack Snyder will make with this film, right? Mm. Just to say. But if I was writing this film, if he came to me and said, Murray, I want you to be my script editor, how would you change the script? I'd say, first of all, uh, let's have her kind of lower her voice a bit when she's talking in the bar full of people, right? Maybe say that Cora whispers to Gunnar about this, you know, perhaps. Um, then we see the orc from Bright, he turns up as yep. well, along with the guy from the Goonies, he's yep. also there. And the the crab alien decides to tell them, this weird head crab alien, who is yeah. sort of eating this man, or is he it's, like I don't know. mentally possessing him, the crab alien? It's, like, it's that sci-fi thing, isn't it? Oh, what would be weird? Yeah. We have a crab on the table, and he's got tendrils attached to this guy, and the guy's talking instead of him, like a weird puppet. But it runs know? away at the end. It's like, it's like di- disenchants from the guy and like runs off on his own. Yeah. And like, can he go to anyone and just can do that? Can he go to anyone and do that? Is he like a wanted criminal? Is this guy like a body snatcher? I don't know. Um, Ed Screen is suddenly the Baron from Dune because yeah. he's covered in like juice and tendrils. Yeah. And, and Borg Gollet from Rogue One is there, weirdly. What was that up with that squid? What was that with that weird squid? You mean the... The like, squid behind him. Yeah, the one's like kind of like. Going, yeah, that goes. Yes, that does exactly with the body motion you're yeah. just in, in, invoking there. Because the guy walks in. He's like, oh, I've got some news. He's like, oh, I've great. got some news, Admiral. <laughs> oh, great. Let me take all these tubes out of my body and get out of this <laughs> this this bath of black oil. Yeah. And go over to my weird squid. Well, the guy's still there. He gives me a massage while this guy's watching me. You know, and. The, why is that? Why does that need to happen? I don't know. So after they recruit Charlie Hunnam, yep. uh, they decide who's just got an Irish accent. He's just yep. Irish as the potatoes green. He's just completely, you know, oh, my people are from Waterford. Oh, I'm going to take you to Vilt. You know, that kind of way. They go to the new planet, whatever it's. Oh, they, were they on Velt? Oh, no, they go to Dagus. Sorry, yeah. I have to put the names down because Dagus, right? And that is where they get this other guy who's like a renowned warrior but he's got to tame this like it was effectively a hippogriff yeah pretty much know, uh, it's a it's a big beak big bird lion like with a, wings yeah like you a know griffiny griffiny kind of type thing, thing. Uh, they he tames the griffin and then it kills the owner okay and off yeah. they go and that's like little side track little side quest they go to to dagus which have cobalt mines or whatever Correct. and it's like spice mines of kessel weather and this woman with red lightsabers decides to fight the Ragnos Empress yep. from Doctor Who. Yes. Uh, they... Another another side quest. Another side quest. <laughs> and then they go to another planet called Sharan, where they decide to meet Pink Kit Fisto, who, uh, yes, he's also there. Yeah. And that's where they run into Blood Axe. Correct. Take it away. Yeah. And, and also, uh, pretty much the knockoff, like, not quite Jar Jar Binks, but, you know... Um, what's his species called? Who? George R. Binks. It's Gungan. Yeah, that's all I could think of when I saw that king. Oh, that's what he is. Oh, that's Pinkett Fisto to me. <laughs> yes, I think I he's, like, he's got weird sort of tendrils <laughs> on his back of his head and he's got a weird sort of pronounced face. Yeah. And he's like, what's he doing standing in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. I'm like, why doesn't you go to like the king's castle? Sure, that planet looks, it's got like the big spires and there's lightning going on. I'm like, okay, whatever. But like, why don't you have to go inside to meet this guy? Yeah. Does he stand outside all the time? But no, because he, here's the thing with this, this whole film, right, is like, right, okay, there's two of us. Right, now now we've got this guy, I can't remember his name, Buff Man, yeah. three of us. Now we've got this oh, woman. Oh, and they get, uh, uh, Dijon Honsu is also there, apparently. Yeah. Sorry, I completely forgot that bit. Yes. Uh, 
he's he's Titus and he's this great general. It's, yeah, and it's he's... like right, we've got this like samurai woman. Great. Now yeah. we're gonna go get Eric, not Eric Bloodaxe, whatever it's called. Blood, Eric Bloodaxe. He's called Darian Bloodaxe. That's it. I wrote his name down. Get Bloodaxe because we want both of them, but the sister didn't want to go, this so we got him. Go. He's got like a couple other Her, people with him. Yeah, his sidekick goes with them instead. We're going to get Titus, which is definitely just like a Roman general. Yeah, Roman general. <laughs> There's a Colosseum that, where on, he is. On like Rome planet. Yeah, on like planet Rome. <laughs> they go to like planet, literally, they go to planet Rome, where there's a Colosseum, where there's all the big statues and everything. And Titus is just like homeless. Homeless. On the yeah. ground. And they t- and they t- it takes like five minutes to convince him. Yeah. Well, they go, maybe they'd like, oh, they go to like, we've got to go to the, they say we've got to go to the gladiator planet. You go, oh, this sounds awesome. It will be like, there will be a Colosseum and they'll be like, he'll be fucking fight. We see like a guy fighting a huge alien monster. I'm like, oh, we're going to see Titus in the, in the ring in yeah. combat, right? We never see him no, fight at all. No. What do we see him do then? Like shoot a gun yeah. or something? What kind of great generals he is? There's a point where they all get captured because spoiler, what's well, spoiler alert, by the way, uh, spoiler alert. Charlie Hunnam sells them all out. Yeah. And they all get captured and they're all get... strung up in these robot robot prison machines. Which is definitely, definitely not Droidicus from Phantom Menace. Yeah, the Droidicus <laughs> from Phantom Menace are there. Uh Droidicus from Phantom Menace are there. And the villain, Admiral, whatever his name is, yeah, that one. turns up and he's like, Ah, oh, look at this famous team. We've got the the great general, the mighty samurai, it's the suicide squad. You know, he does all this like great rundown of all these people. And I'm like, this is so pretentious. Yeah. The the Imperial officers are also there. And I'm like, okay. I'm watching the film, bear yeah. in mind. It's been like an hour, yeah. I don't know, hour 30, I guess. There's about half an hour of this film left to go, and they're on this landing pad. And I go, right, okay. Well, they need to get back to the village to save it from the Imper- from the Imperial forces who are coming in, like, what did they say, two weeks? Yeah, something like that. So, okay, we'll, we'll say it's taken like, about, I don't know, a week and a bit to do all this. So, okay, they're going to fight this Admiral guy. He's going to get away. He's going to, like, some. I'm, I'm imagining this in my head as if I was writing it. Yep. He's going to summon his dreadnought, and he's going, I'm going to go to that village and destroy it. All right. So and now all the heroes have to team up in their ship. They've got rid of the traitor and they're flying to the village and they're going to save the village in a big climactic ending ultimate fight, right? Mm-hmm. Does that happen? No. No. What happens, Corey? Uh, instead... They just do the fight on the landing yeah, pads. Gunnar is like not in a, a droidica because no. he's not important, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kai goes over and goes, right, here's what I want you to do. We're going to sedate all these people, take this thing from the back of the thing, and you're going to oh, like... Oh, use this like nail gun you're gonna, like, stun. once on the back of... Yeah, you're going to stun everyone, and somehow Gunnar knows, right, I'm going to turn it this way to unlock it instead. To kill... Well, no, he wants her to... He wants him... So, sorry, Kai wants Gunnar to kill Korra. Yeah, he... he, he names. Kai wants Gunnar to kill Korra yeah. with the nail gun. Yes, and instead Gunnar... Can turn it one other way turn to it just one unlock other way it. To unlock it to pull it out and then kill Kai with it. Yeah. Does he even die? I assume so. I don't think we see him again. No, we don't. <laughs> but he like he just is. falls up. We don't even. He like he falls out of shot and yeah. falls out of the rest of the film. Yeah. So we don't know what happens to it. And it's like one. Okay, Gunnar, how do you have to do? Also, here's my other issue with this film. One of my other issues with this film, right? He's just unlocked Cora. Right, so then you're thinking, right, okay, everyone else is like, right, they're all in this pretty much like a half circle, they're all like next to each other. Why aren't at this point the guards going, right, they're just gonna run around freeing everyone, let's just shoot like Titus and the samurai, yeah. wherever in these machines, rather mm-hmm. than trying to shoot the two people freeing them, <laughs> just kill the people in the in the Jordacus. Yeah, and also they've got <laughs> loads of fighter craft and loads of ships, yeah, and they've got this weird sort of 
upwards kind of it's not even the dreadnought it's like this sort of tower kind of ship with yeah. guns on it and they say oh you want to destroy those fighters but there's like yeah but they're they're shooting at you so you could either destroy those fighters and stop them from leaving. Yeah. Or you can't destroy the big ship. You can destroy the people on the platform or whatever. Yeah. But they just people just make idiotic choices in this, and just like Cora, who makes the biggest um, idiotic choice by siding with the people who massacred all of her people in her village. Yeah. This was a big. Now, several members of my family watched this film, and because you know it was a big success, and. Um, I we had a bit of a round table and I said, What do you guys think of the what do you guys think of the film? And one of the biggest criticisms was that Cora is an unlikable character. And she is unlikable for the following reasons. Not because she's Sophia Butella, who is who is a very good actress and who was amazing in Kingsman and The Mummy, the one with not with Brendan Fraser, the one with Tom Cruise. She was very good in that as the mummy, and she was good in Kingsman as well as uh I think her character was called Gazelle or something. But in this film she is she is clinically unlikable, and that is for the following reasons. One, because after 30 years of, of whatever of her life... Well, no, wait, she was flipping 18 when yep. she was apparently the guard or whatever. Yep. 10 years, I don't know. She um, she decides to hold on. Maybe siding with the, with the uh, massacring imperialists wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. But we don't know how she escaped them, which is probably for the next film. Probably, So, yeah. well, hey, because it's apparently her nickname, because she's called the Scargiver. Yeah. And... Because that sounds edgy. Yes, like I'm a twelve year old. You know, I've made, I've made, Corey. I've made this supervillain OC. He's called the Scar Giver. He's got got these powers to like. He shoots lightning out of his fingers, and he like gives people loads of scars. Yeah, you know. Linkin Park starts playing. <laughs> and oh wait, no, that uh, what's that song called? Which song? The one from like the AMV is from like the two thousands. What Paralyzer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paralyzer starts playing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> and then you know she's got this cool nickname, and she has to watch over this child, right? Who's the reincarnation of this ancient queen? Yes. But I think this film has the wrong title. Okay. It's called Rebel Moon, Child of Fire. I don't know what Rebel Moon is. Right, it's the moon where they're rebelling on, I guess. Yeah. Um, it sounds like such a Star Wars title. It's like you could call you could call it Star Wars hyphen Rebel Moon. And be like, right, okay, that makes sense. But they call it Rebel Moon, Child of Fire. Who is the Child of Fire? And this is the legitimate question because I want an answer. <laughs> Who do you think the Child of Fire is? Um, I don't have an answer for you. No, I, I, I uh, it's a fight. I guess there's fire in this film, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No one gets burned. No. Her her city gets like destroyed. Who is the child of fire? So I I would assume Cora. But there's there's I think this child is wrong title. I think this film should have been called um Rebel Rebel Moon Child of Life because the girl that she was supposed to protect has the ability to bring things back to life. She does. And she says that she is a descendant from an ancient queen called the Life Giver. Yeah. So why isn't the film called Rebel Moon Child of Life? Because and that sounds arguably better than Child of Fire. Child of Fire sounds like you know the sort of edgy fan fiction of the kind of character that I've just shown you. Yeah. But um, Child of Fire, sorry, Child of Life sounds like a bit more you know okay. There's something life has been given. Life's a good thing. So whereas Fire destroys, so whatever. Um, and th- this film all came about because of the very simple. Uh, Scenario where Zack Snyder wanted to take his R-rated Star Wars film to Lucasfilm, yep. and Lucasfilm said, 
No. No. Because they, they, they decided that they didn't want to engage in that kind of thing. Um, Snow, it's He says it's inspired by the work of Akira Turazawa, yeah. which, of course, Star Wars is, you know, yeah. Seven Samurai and all of that. Um, it's like he's just ripped pages out of the playbook, really. Yeah. And it's, you know, supposed to be an homage to that type of stuff. And he says he's pitched it to Lucasfilm um, shortly after they sold the Walt Disney Company in 2012, after there was that big, big million-dollar deal, billion-dollar deal. Um, he said he pitched it as a video game and a film to Warner Brothers a couple of times. Yep. And it was supposed to be planned to be an original television series by Zack Snyder and Eric Newman um, before it became a, before it became something for Netflix. So, and then he wanted to split the film into two parts. So we're going to have this, yes. Child of Fire, and Scargiver, which is the next one. Because like April, I think, or something like that. What? I think so, yeah. <sighs> and that was, yeah, that was quite a telling sign there. So, this is um, meant to be the first of many films. And also, at the point of this film doesn't actually have a climax. It nope. just sort of stops. Yep. They they get to the... I even put here, no, not the budget for a fight in the village, eh? Because that's where they're supposed to be going. You start in the village, you end in the village. You give it a big set piece, and you and you put a little bow on the film. No. A- April 19th this year. This decides... It's part two. That's quite soon. Yep. They, just, they decide to not just end the film in the village. I like, did they shoot them both at the same time? Is that why it's coming out so, so quickly? Probably, I, th- I think they did. I think I read somewhere that essentially they filmed both of them at once right. and then okay. I've cut them up. Oh, that's a very Zack Snyder tactic there. That's like watching Justice League where it's like four hours long. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Did you ever see Zack Snyder's Justice not. League? I did not. I did. It was four hours long. I thought it was actually quite good. I thought it was actually an improvement on the original Justice League film but because the original Justice League film was meant to be done by him. Oh. So, the, well, what happened was, well, no, Justice League 2017 came out and it was by Joss Whedon mm-hmm. because Zack Snyder's, unfortunately, his daughter uh, committed suicide, passed away. Yep. Um, so he had to take some time away from his work and he uh, stepped away from Justice League. Joss Whedon took over and it wasn't a very good film. So after that, uh, when Zack Snyder had more time on his hands and more money, he came back and he finished it and he did produce Zack Snyder's Justice League. Which is actually the superior Justice League film. Mm-hmm. I say that Justice League, Justice, Zack Snyder's Justice League is a good film. Yes, it is long, but it does deliver deliver on everything you'd expect from a Justice League film, right? So I'd say that no, Zack Snyder doesn't just create bombs. That when he has the time and the resources, and he's fixing other people's work. Yeah. Yes, he is good. Unfortunately, he can't fix his own work. So that's uh, that's a problem I have for him. Also, I have a problem with his fan base, but that's another that's another huge can of worms yeah. that we may save for part two of this when we have, end up doing the next one. Corey, anything you can say? Yeah, uh, quite a bit, actually. What, do you know what? One of the things I did not like about this film. What is that? The continuous times it will do something where it's like, oh, hello, I'm Jimmy. And then you've got one of the guards like, yeah, I used to be a robot. And then their old king died. And we don't, don't use guns anymore. They're all peaceful. And about half an hour later, we shoot someone. Or like, oh yeah, we're gonna go to this planet. There's a guy that I sold uh, sold grain to, and he got me in contact with the blood axes, and they go there, and he gets captured straight away. So, oh well, but we don't even need him anyway. So, oh, what did he say? He went to go to his king. Oh, I was go to his king. He completely gets ignored. The amount of times, oh, like the king gets killed. Yeah, like Chorus sits down, 
and she, and she's like, oh, I've got this mysterious like past, and she just tells you all straight away. Here's my whole backstory. <laughs> Here it is. Here's my whole backstory in the flashback. <laughs> this whole film is like either one, we're gonna go do something, do it straight away. No hitches in this film. Everything goes smoothly, other than blood axe dying. Other than the end, other than the kind of <laughs> the last set piece, which is required to have the big fight at the end. Yeah. Other than Blood Axe dying, everything else goes smoothly. They go for, go do something, or they like because again I'm thinking right, okay, Jimmy doesn't it doesn't use weapons, so we're in like part two is going to shoot someone. It'd be a great big no, he just does it half an hour in the film. <laughs> okay, that's gone now. That's it, yeah. And it's he like okay, like, disarm the soldier with his stick or yeah. something. You know, they don't use guns. Imagine these robots that they, they were like they were like ferocious killers and like you know they were like really talented with gun weapons and like these amazing killer robots, right? Yeah, and then. And but he's using this stick. He's like Daredevil, and he takes out this guard with his stick. Wow, this is in my head. Wow, this is gonna be amazing. And then in part two, he does use the gun, and it's like, whoa! Yeah. You're like a crazy, you know. And but no, he just uses it to kill the guy. Okay, sure. Yeah. This this whole fi- literally this whole film feels like here's a two hours of qu- a quick summary of who all these people are, who yeah. everything is, uh, who that oh. General, whatever his name is, uh, isn't human. He's a robot. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, because we bring him back Vader style, yeah, pretty much, do. and he's in like a, a womb now, or whatever. He's like the weird sack that mm-hmm. he's in, and it's like now part two. And you've gets, got all this information yeah. for part two. And he gets teleported to that emperor guy. He does. Who's, who's just the same guy from the flashback, wearing yeah. a beard. Yeah. And he's like, you must return. You must defeat the, the rebels. Yeah, he's like, you, you must, must go. And he goes, right, I'll bring him back. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And he's in the big, like, floating sack. He's like, you must kill everyone, but bring me back my daughter. Yes. Like, okay, great, cool. So, well, so you're I alive? Just, so what? And I didn't just try to kill her just on that landing pad right yeah. now. You know? And it's like, great. So, like, literally, this all feels like part of this, there's all information. So you can watch part two and you know what's mm. going on. Because it's going to come back in part two, and they're going to be like, "What? Well, I I killed you." And the fact that there was no like, and the fact that there was no justification. I hope they do this in the sequel, maybe mm-hmm. on like the conflict in the village was completely overlooked. But there was guys like, "Oh, maybe we should work with the Imperium and show them our worth. They want all of yeah. our grain. We should put up for them and make sure we." Work. And people were like, "No, we can't do that. We should fight the. They should fight the Imperium." Like, "Oh no, they'll destroy us with all their cool weapons," and. That's never touched on no. again, weirdly. No, because so... they all decide we'll we'll make grain, and if we give them grain, we will be invaluable to them. They won't kill us because they'll need us to make more grain. Yeah, but they'll just find someone else to make. And grain. then about ten minutes later, Kara like <laughs> kills half of them and goes, "Well, we've got a fight now, I guess." Yeah, we've got a fight now, I guess. <laughs> no more making choices. I'm assuming in the next film they'll go back in the village and be, "Oh, it's fine. I hit him with a stick." Yeah. It's, and then he'll come back, and, and then it's like, "Oh, yeah. now we all have to rally together and." There's six of us now, and Blood Axe isn't around, but we've got his like little, mm. like whatever your sidekick thing. Yeah, and they're side, around his, now. His friend, yeah. There's six of us now, or like five of us, however many there is. Is she called? I don't know what her name is. All these names look the same to me. Yeah. I'm looking at like, oh yeah, what a, what an amazing character, what an impact on the story that <laughs> Maya had and Thresher. Remember Thresher? Oh yeah. He's uncredited. <laughs> Great. Oh yeah, what a great impact on the story um, Khan had. Do you remember Khan? Not from Star, not from Star Trek or Doctor Who. Oh yeah, Streep. Do you remember Streep? Do you remember Simon? It's spelt like Simon, but there's an X in front of it. Great. Do you, do you remember Edda? I, I don't. 
Do you remember Ivar? What, one of the Viking Raiders? No. Like O'Cullen, Hervor, Oscar, Eldune. Yep, there's also six priests in this film, apparently. Sif, Bren, Greta, Heljamar, Runa, the Professor and Marianne, you know. Dash, Dash Thif, yeah. Johnny Cage, Sonia, Liu Kang, Raiden, Sub-Zero. And it just, there's a point where it just turns. And even though it turns, I think it turns from the start. Mm-hmm. Of a point where you go, this just feels like a rip-off where we just change all the names. We take the script, rip some of it out, change the names. You know, Dreadnought, pff, uh, Death Star, Dread, Dreadnought. Yeah. And they make just kind of alternations where they go, oh, she's from a farm, she's Luke Skywalker. No, she's not. Yeah. She's actually had military training. She's she's supposed to be the hero. She's coming in. She's trying to put a team together like Han Solo. No, she's uh, she meets Han Solo instead. Yeah. And she goes with Han Solo. And like, oh, what if Han Solo sold them out to the Empire? Oh, ha, 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 ha. I'm an amazing screenwriter. You know, that's how it works. <laughs> like that. Like that for like two hours. Yeah. They're going to go to the planet and meet the king with all the people on the blood axe. And every, apparently the entire force of the rebellion is going to be there. Not like they've got some other base they've got to go yeah. to. Or they they just turn up in like, what, 20 ships? And all like, yeah. I'm an amazing screenwriter. Let's look. Let's look at uh, some trivia. Do you are you prepared yeah, to give I, us some? I, I have it. Okay, let's go. Give us some trivia, Corey. All right, I've there's some doozies for you. I've been looking through, but it's doing an episode. There's some doozies for you. <clears throat> First off, like you mentioned, this was first conceived as a Star Wars movie, pitched for Lucasfilm in 2012, never got off the ground. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen, Sir Patrick Stewart, Liam Neeson. What, 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 cats own Ian McKellen? Yeah. Continue. Morgan Freeman and Anthony Daniels were considered to play Anthony Jim- Anthony Daniels? Yeah. Were considered to play Jimmy the Robot until Anthony, Anthony Hopkins- Daniels? The actor that plays C-3PO, <laughs> yeah. they've got to play C-3PO. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I wonder what kind of voice he would have put on for that. <laughs> oh, hello. I am Jimmy. I am not C-3PO, even though I act exactly like him. Uh, what was... R2-D2, where are you? I mean, Cora, where are you? <laughs> Continue. Uh... Before leaving Warner Brothers for Netflix, Snyder was developing a sequel to 300, titled Blood and Ashes, that called a military campaign and alleged homoerotic relationship with Alexander the Great and his second in command. Mm-hmm. Never got off the ground, but rights to the script eventually reverted back to Snyder and incorporated elements into this film. Uh, I wrote this scene which Alexander has to... What? Has to what? Has to ride Bucephalus. This is off comments. It's fine. Give me two seconds. Has to ride Bucephalus, or rather break Bucephalus, the horse. Right. But, all, but he almost 
that he had almost his entire career. And I was kind of obsessed with that. So when I went into the Tarak scene, I was like... Oh, should... is that the one with the hippogriff? Yeah, he should, he should break his black animal. He rides it through what? We'll see his power and his strength. <laughs> Zack Snyder loves that kind of thing, doesn't he? <laughs> Big, muscly, meaty men. Power and strength. They've got... You know, that kind of stuff. Also, uh, you know Noble... No wonder it's based on Warhammer 40k. You know I've Noble. I've seen that. Good old Noble. Yes. Right. Uh, I've got some more castings also. Okay. Uh, also, before I go to, go into Noble. If you say any of the names I think you're going to say. Gal Gadot was considered for an undisclosed role. Okay. Uh, not been in this. Noble likes Gal Gadot. was considered to be someone else. Okay. Right? Now, if you're thinking action film, yeah, yeah, you yeah. may think of this man. If you're thinking space action film, I don't know. But imagine Noble. Like, is this... Yeah, Noble. Got, got, got his club. It's like Romany Emperor. is yeah. or intelligence. And he's like... Having a conversation and oh, like yeah, threatening yeah, you. Yeah. Do you picture Jason Statham? Jason Statham. I'm Akash Noble. <laughs> All right there. <laughs> Let me have a word with you. I'm going to tell you something here. I'm a spaceman. I don't kill women and kids, but I kill everybody else. Like their dads and fathers. Now. I'm a spaceman. I've got a spaceship. Now, normally I get my trivia from IMDb. Oh. But as I was watching this film, I had to give it a bit more look. This is coming from Wikipedia. Okay. Future. This is a future tab on Wikipedia. Oh dear. Sequels. Rebel Moon is planned to be a franchise that begins with a two-part film. Mm-hmm. Each part to be shot back to back. That's coming out on April 19th this year. Development of additional installments of story are ongoing, with a script for the third film already being worked on as of December 2023. Uh-huh. Snyder's exact series-length plans are unclear, having stated that the film was intended to be the first in a trilogy, but it also will be followed by a trilogy of sequels, implying four or five... To- I don't know what it means by that. What? Trilogy, trilogy, trilogy? Is that like nine or six? I don't know. Uh, Snyder has also stated that his intent for Rebel Moon is to become a massive IP and universe that can be built out. A role-playing game was in development of March uh, last year, alongside an animated short and a graphic novel. Wow. A novelisation of the film written by V. Castro was published by Titan Books uh, December last year. Snyder announced uh, in July plans for a TV series focused on Balasaurus at Gamescon. Uh, Super Evil Megacorp was developing a four-player co-op action game okay. that's on the Netflix exclusively on the Netflix games platform. Oh, amazing! Uh, Evil GTA on there now, apparently. In 2023, Evil Genius Games sued Netflix for terminating a deal that allowed them to produce a tabletop role-playing game. Sued them. Uh, also, a four-issue prequel comic entitled Rebel Moon: House of the Blood Axe. Yep. Uh, put up by Titan Comics in January Sounds this year. Sounds legit. Uh, Comic, so it's a five-year before comic. I also believe, and I can't remember where I saw this. Yep. Um, in typical Zack Schneider fashion, this is getting an R-rated extended version. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> I where believe. You can see, where you can see the guys, <laughs> where you can see the guy get stabbed with more blood than than a normal time. Yeah. With their, you know, fight on a landing pad with a buoy with a boy on it, you know. Um, so yeah, I've also noticed in the trivia they do say exactly what I said. This is the first time Ed Screen and Michael Hussman yeah. has worked together since Hussman replaced Screen as Dario Naharis in Game of Thrones. Yeah, 2011. So I I knew that even before the trivia talk. Yeah, me. I think the extended one is just going to come out at, at some point. This is fully digitally shot film after Army of the Dead. Amazing, and we know right. how good Army of the Dead was. Yeah, and also yeah, that that became a thing out of prequel. And Army of the Dead, yeah, which I've not seen. Other stuff. Well, well, actually, I did actually want us to watch the prequel to Army of the Dead called Army of Thieves. Yeah. 
Uh, maybe we will at some point if we want to torture ourselves a bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, are you excited for Rebel Moon to be a massive IP? It's going to be just like Star Wars, comics and books just, yeah, and games. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really excited. Also, did you notice that there's like a knockoff Slave 1 in this film somewhere? Is there? Yeah. Oh, of course there is. There's a knockoff everything in this film, to be honest. It's like I'm expecting... I'm expecting, you know, the the the, the kind of... It feels like weirdly askew at some points. You're like, yeah. yes, I know what you're trying to do, Zack Snyder, but you aren't doing it, are you? You're like, yes, oh, wow, look at that. You're supposed to be an Imperial Star Destroyer. Pff, it looks like this thing instead. Yeah. You know, the there aren't any sort of keys to the faster and light thing. It's about the universe, isn't it? The universe they're making. Yeah. There's too much explanation, but there's also not enough. Yes. Is, I think, the key problems here. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's great. I can't wait for this massive... April April 19th cannot come around quick enough, oh, you know. I can't. Shall we uh, give it a real rating? I It's not getting high. No. Um, some parts of this, I didn't... Mu- Aesthetically, the film looks good, mm-hmm. right? Jimmy looks good. The stuff in this film looks decent. Yes. I does way too much slow-mo in this. There is. Way too much, like, here's a laser rifle being gone off. We can do particle mm. effects and stuff like that. It's way too much of that. Um, I didn't mind. Titus was interesting, even yeah. though he's only in it for, like, five minutes and pretty much does nothing. Yeah. It's like no dialogue well, lines. No, Digimon Hansu, that's why. That's because Digimon Hansu is a good actor. Yes. <laughs> that's why Digimon Hansu is an amazing actor, so of course. Um, but he has, like, no dialogue. Yep. Uh, I didn't mind Blood but he's gone now anyway, so fine. He is. I, for me, this is like maybe a five, like smack bang in the middle, okay. four or five, somewhere around that ballpark, mm. so somewhere in there, it's fine. My real wreck okay. um, for this. Um, Have you rated it? Oh yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll rate it first. Uh, what did you just give it? Four or five. Four or five. I'm going to go for a f- four. It's going to get under what I consider to be the median rating, which is a five. I'm going to give it a four. And for my real wreck, it is... There was a lot of spaceships in this, you know, rip off, rip off Slave 1, Battleship Yamato, a lot of different spaceships. Um, a spaceship, Corey, that I know you're a fan of, um, okay. from a, another sci-fi franchise, if we can name it, uh, from Star Wars, okay. particularly in a film that this this film might be similar to, uh, The Phantom Menace. Okay. <laughs> uh, from The Phantom Menace, it is the C-9979 landing ship. If you'd like to like, like to look I'm that up. I'm assuming that's not the actual. It's, it, does the ship have another name? Um, it does have. It does, does have other names, I guess. Uh, it's like the droids, droid landing craft. Right. I guess. Here it is. Uh, there it is. C nine nine seven nine is. Um, it's like two rectangles. It's like two rectangles on sort of a bigger block with there. a thing underneath it. You remember this, don't you? You remember this ship? Oh yeah. 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 From the Phantom Menace, yeah. They're also in the Render the Sith in a little bit, and they make most of their appearances in the Clone Wars TV show. Great. And they are a tra- formerly Trade Federation Separatist landing craft. And on YouTube, there is the Space Dock video uh, breaking down the C-9979 landing ship, where they give you all the nice cool details and takes you through it, just like just like uh, Space Dock does. I'm a big fan of this channel, okay. so I always like to support these guys and see what they're doing. So I'm going to give it this. Um, and for a ship from The Phantom Menace, I'd say I'd give it a 7.5. Wow. 
7.5 for this going video, and it's free, it's on YouTube, you go watch it. It is uh, breaking down the scene, and there's wonderful clips, there's like, there's new Gunray, and you see all the battle droids, and uh, the negotiations were short. You see that amazing shot of them flying over the, over the Naboo uh, forest? I nice. bet you like that shot, Corey. Oh yeah. The music's playing, dun 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 that music, you know, yep. the Trade Federation March, I think it's called. Uh, yeah, it's a, and it's uh, it is. A, I'll give you some information if you want. There is it is approximately 137 meters. Wow. With a width with a wingspan of 270 meters. It's got a class two hyperdrive generator and a backup class one 15 a hyperdrive generator. It's got ion drive engines. It's got deflector shields, long-range wow. sensors, okay. expansive cargo bay, nice. control ship reception antennas, nice. maintenance bays, tension field generators, anti-gravity stabilizers, and perimeter field sensors. Wow. Don't you just love it, Corey? That's I what love ev- it. Whatever ship needs. There's a lot of air. Exactly, exactly. It is the, the C9979 landing craft heavy transport. Great. And what, what did you give it? And that is more in-depth than anything in Rebel Moon. <laughs> I'm going to give it... <laughs> A 7.5. Fez. Uh, thank you very much for listening and or watching our uh, review of Rebel Moon, Child of Fire. And we're going to probably do the next one in April if we're bothered yeah. enough. Or do whatever the Zack Snyder army of army of pathetic people. Yeah. So let's uh, sign that. Let, let's sign off. And uh, this, is, this has been good, Corey. This has been uh, a very interesting episode. I'm sure I'll see what people react mm. to this about. But uh, thank you very much for listening and or watching. It's a goodbye from me. Goodbye, and a goodbye from Corey. Goodbye.